every adoptee wants to see pictures of their parents, of their birth parents. This baby, they brought you so much joy and completed your family, was gotten at the expense of another person's life. Is this okay? Like, are we all okay with the idea that people are making money off of the sale of babies? Laura was adopted into a family with Polish heritage, and she also believed that she herself was half Polish. For many years from early adulthood, she had searched for her birth mother in a variety of ways and couldn't find any traces of her. When she was able to take a DNA test, she connected with her birth mother's sisters and found out that her ethnic background was very different from what she had been told. After learning more about the agency that facilitated her adoption and considering how her birth mother may have felt, she has changed her views and opinions on the adoption industry. Here is my interview with Laura. Were you adopted from birth and where were you adopted from? I was. I was adopted at birth. I was adopted from an agency called Easter House in Chicago. I think they had other locations with other names. And this is before you could get the you know, you could find out the sex before a baby was born. So my parents knew that there was a lady who was pregnant and that if she had a girl, because my parents wanted a girl, that I would be theirs. And that was the case. I was a girl. So then they they called my parents up. And I guess three days later, and I, was, I guess I was like three days old when they came and got me. So you were adopted in Illinois. Is that where you grew up at? Yes. I grew up in the suburb of Chicago. And do you remember how you found out that you were adopted? Yeah, I do. When I was around, I want to say it was third grade is the grade that I remember it to be. And they basically sat me down and just sort of told me the story. Like there was a lady who was pregnant and she couldn't take care of you. So we wanted a girl. So we, you know, we said we would. And that was kind of the end of that. That was sort of the conversation. So when did you start thinking about finding your birth family? And was there anything specific that made you want to find them? I think every adoptee wants to see pictures of their parents of their birth parents, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was probably my number one motivation for a very long time. And my adoptive parents were very understanding, I guess, of the idea that I would probably eventually want to find more information about my birth parents. So they had actually kept all of my legal documents, all the, you know, from when they had to go to court and officially change my birth certificate and that kind of thing. So I had the name of what I thought was my birth mother's name in all these legal documents. So how did you go about finding your birth mother and what were some of the obstacles that you ran into? Well, I found my birth mother's family. She actually passed away before I really got into it, but I found the family by DNA. And I had been kind of searching on and off with a variety of intensity probably since I was like 18. The name on on the legal documents put my birth mother's name as Kay Michaels. And as the years wore on, I mean, I, it finally occurred to me that this was probably a made-up name because there was no such person, no such family. I mean, I just couldn't find anything about, you know, any K. Michael in the Chicago area, any time period, you know. So probably around maybe 2011 or 2012, it was like right around then, I decided to do DNA tests. And I ended up getting all, I did three. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, we're going to spread it around because I didn't know where I would find any 
relatives, you know, so I thought I'll just spread it around. And I did finally connect up with my birth mother had, she had four siblings. She had all, and it was all girls and two of them are still alive and they were both on Ancestry's DNA. And so when I did finally find them, it was finally revealed to me that, yeah, the name was wrong. That was not her real name on the documents, even on like my original birth certificate still said K. Michaels. According to her sisters, that was a stage name. She had had like this minor modeling career and that was the name she went by when she was modeling. So yeah. So even in like all the legal documents. So that was really like, I mean, if it wasn't for DNA, I would never have found anybody. Yeah. I mean, with that name, you would have definitely never found anybody. I mean, right. It's common. It's so common. Also, I, you know, for a long time I thought it was, oh, it's such a common name. One time I went downtown Chicago and I looked through the old city directories, you know, Mm -hmm. just to see if there was any Michaels anywhere in the address that she put. And it just was like, no, she was like a ghost. So yeah, I would have never found anybody. Yeah. You were basically, we'll just say marketed as being Polish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a funny story too, because that was part of the story that my parents used to say. They used to, I mean, they told me straight up, like that when they had been in the interviews with the adoption agency, the adoption agency said, do you have any, I don't know that they said requests, but you know, (laughs) like, is there anything particular that you were like hoping for, I guess. And my parents both being of Polish descent and they were the children of immigrants so they were like well you know a Polish lady who's pregnant you know we you know what I mean like to help somebody who's I mean I believe that they meant it in the best possible way you know what I mean yeah and not in a like we want to pick out you know the Polish girl but yeah Easter House was notorious for a lot of corruption and a lot of lies to both the birth moms and the adoptive parents And so basically my parents were told that I was half Polish and then quarter German and quarter Dutch. The Dutch and German were my supposedly from my birth father and the Polish was supposedly from my birth mother. And the DNA test at the end of the day, which both my adoptive parents have passed, so they didn't really get to know this either. The DNA test showed that I was like this uh that there was like some latino there was some like italian there was some native american and there was greek Hmm. there was really like no german no dutch very little polish like a fraction you know and it turns out now that i found both birth parent families my birth mother was 100 percent greek the daughter of immigrants and my birth father was an immigrant to the united states from chile wow so i'm basically half chilean half greek which is a long way from Polish and German. Did you have more of like an olive skin tone? I mean, being Polish myself, I know sometimes we're like so pale, we're translucent. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. So my parents had two children of their own. My mom had a lot of trouble having children and my parents were older. So that was part of the whole idea of the Easter house. My parents just turned 40 when they adopted me, Mm. which is like crazy, even in 67, because usually if you're 40 and over, it's very difficult to find an infant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also my parents had two of their own children, which is again, and practically impossible to at least now to get a child when you have your own children. And so Easter house was pretty notorious for basically taking people's money and giving them a baby. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, yeah. it was a transaction. They didn't, 
Yeah, it was more transactional, I think, for them, which isn't great optics, obviously, but that was the case. And so what was your original question? Because now I feel like I, I veered off. No, I was just asking if you had like a similar skin tone, like to where they would oh, think that you are, right. were actually Polish. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so my brothers all have blue eyes and dark hair. And I have blue eyes and dark hair. Oh, okay. But my adoptive parents have blue eyes. The only thing that was really different about me versus my brothers is that, yeah, like, my skin is definitely a little more olive. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and as far as if I have any kind of sun, I get pretty dark pretty quickly. And they were both, like, when they were born, they were um, blonde. Hmm. Like, white blonde. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And I never had a blonde day in my life. <laughs> no way. Nope. Not even a little. So, I mean, it did seem weird that they thought I was Polish, but I didn't look that different from my parents, right. you know, from my adoptive parents. And I looked a lot like my brothers in sort of a general way. Yeah. So it wasn't like I looked weird. Actually, I looked a lot like, I could send you a couple of pictures. I actually looked a lot like my adoptive mom. And strangely, we were both wow. the same height. So it was hmm. a pretty good match, I have to yeah. say. So once you met your mother's family, who were Greek, was it difficult to be thrown into a new culture and a family that was so deeply rooted in that culture? Yeah, it was. I mean, not in a bad way, but like, you know, they were like, seemed to be surprised that that being Greek was like new to me. They were like, oh, and you know, when I told them and to them, I was one of them. Yeah. And to me, this was all foreign. I didn't have that same feeling. And Which, to their credit, they really did welcome. They're lovely people. But yeah, they had all this history and stuff and all this ethnic food. And I mean, I've, of course, I've eaten Greek food and stuff. But, but like, it wasn't what we had in my house. You know what I mean? I grew up with this Polish culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was what we did. You know, they all spoke Greek and stuff. It, it was weird and it kind of a bummer to, like, realize that this was something that I'd kind of missed out on. Yeah, it's hard later in life to be exposed to something like that, like the traditions and even holidays in some cultures are celebrated different. And even like afterward, it's been a couple of years since I found out my definitive nationality based on my birth parents. But when I first found it out, people would ask me, oh, what's your nationality? It would take me like a few seconds to compose my thoughts. Oh, wait, that's right. I'm not Polish. You know what I mean? Like I remember (laughs) that I'm, you know, half Greek, half Chilean. It was so new to me yeah that took some adjusting i think yeah like, oh i'm not polish because it's like anymore. your identity <laughs> you know what i mean it's like this is my was like i believed that, that i was this one thing right yeah until i was like 50 so yeah. and then now that i'm i found out it's like fine but just was it's just weird it's just weird when your identity is so rooted to one thing and then you find out that it was not even the case yeah yeah, getting used to the idea that uh, mm-hmm. you're something else entirely and right, how right. to kind of marry the two together, I guess. Right. A lot of times when I tell people I'm half Greek, they'll be like, oh, you speak Greek, they go down this list of things that Greek people that they know do. <laughs> and it's like, I don't do any, you know what I mean? I've never been to Greece. I don't have a connection to Greece particularly. Yeah. Specifically, no. But yeah, so it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. So did your birth mother have any other children? She did not. So she had already passed when I found her family. So like she was like 22 or 23 when I was born. And uh, there is some evidence that I, I would say that if it was a different world, she would have tried to keep me. I think there's a lot of evidence that she tried to keep me. But because she was unmarried, 
my birth father who was a married man, not to her. So it was like a lot of things were going on, you know what I mean? And I think, like I said, there's just some evidence that she wanted to keep me. Yeah. And after I was adopted, her sisters all continued to have children. So like how much of a rub is that? You know what I mean? Like my sisters Mm. get to have babies and get to do all the things with babies, but I don't get to have a baby. Her family told me on the times that I met them that her name is Catherine. My birth mother's name is Catherine. Catherine was kind of difficult. She was difficult with the family. She drifted in and out of the family sometimes. Some years she didn't even show up for Christmas, didn't show up for holidays, just was nowhere to be found. And then other times she was around. Hmm. And it just felt like their understanding of why she was so troubled didn't seem like it was coming from the right place. They just seemed to be like, I don't know why she was so messed up. Do you think the adoption had something to do with it? Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know her, but it feels like that probably had something to do with that. She never had any other children. She married late in life to a man who unfortunately ended up dying five years later. And so she never married again, never had any kids, any other than me. And she had, she'd had a stroke. It wasn't super debilitating. She was in a, in a walker and a wheelchair. But even with that, her sisters were, well, she could walk. She just liked to be in the chair. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a lot of that. <laughs> they I was, that they were like, like super you... hard on her, apparently, no I matter so. what. <laughs> like she was the youngest, too. So the oldest is one of my aunts who is still alive. And so I think, you know, the difference between the oldest and the youngest sometimes can be like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You got yeah. everything easy. You were catered yes. to, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of the vibe I get. The oldest sibling that's still alive. The first time I met the family, I went there for a, they were all there and there was like this kind of thing. I don't know if it was for me in particular. So I met everyone and I expected everyone to be like, here's all these pictures of your mom and here's all these stories I'm going to tell you about her so you can like know her more, you know, you can get to know this person that you're related to. And it was, and it wasn't like that at all. You know, I would ask questions, and they would say, like, one of the things that they said, oh, she was a big reader. She read a ton of stuff. She was always reading. And I'm like, oh, cool. What kind of stuff did she like to read? And then nobody knew. Hmm. I don't know. It just was weird. If my brother's was dead and one of his long-lost children showed up, I would have a million stories to tell them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have all these pictures. I would have all, they would be bombarded with all the stuff that I would end up dumping on them because it'd be like, oh my God, here's somebody new you need to know, you know? Yeah. And like, this is all part of you, you know? Right. Even pictures. I mean, they did give me some pictures, but just a smattering. It was, wasn't like, oh, and here's your, your baby picture or whatever. Yeah. So it was kind of weird that way too. Yeah. It was similar with my dad's birth mother. Nobody really had a nice thing to say about her. And I often wondered if it was, you know, because she had given a child up for adoption and it was something that she carried. And I think a lot of people, at least around that time, had this view like it was a second chance for you or something. And that's how you should treat it. Now you can go on to live your life. I don't know. It it just seemed like that's kind of how it was looked at by other people. Yeah, that was kind of the fable when my Adoptive parents would talk about my adoptions. It was always in the the framing of it, like, your mom loved you so much that she gave you up because she knew she couldn't take care of you. Yeah. And I think more likely is that she had no other choice. Yeah. And everything, everyone was against her having me. Right. And keeping me. So it was like, what was she supposed to do? Live in the streets? You know what I mean? Like, you know, there were no social services. You couldn't get 
help from the government or anything like that at that time. Yeah. She was just stuck, you know, like a lot of women. I mean, yeah, I'm one of the baby scoop era kids. That's another, you know, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like I discovered that. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. This is this is definitely like what happened to yeah. my birth mom for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That There's a lot of that going on around that time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. So have you been able to make contact with anyone from your birth father's family? Yes. And I got it through, again, through DNA, because I would have never, you know, found them any other way. Um, And they're all online and stuff. So it turns out my birth father, he did immigrate from Chile to the United States with his wife and his oldest son, who I talked to, his oldest son. And they moved around. He was a librarian, managed different libraries around. And he eventually landed in Chicago, met my birth mother. They had some kind of relationship. When I talked to his son, it turns out this person, my birth father, he was one of those people who, like, he abandoned his family, the one with his son, where they immigrated. He had just left one day and just never came back. And then turned out he had another wife and another daughter in addition to me. So he's, like, sort of setting up franchises, I guess, in that way. (laughs) He was one of those guys, you know what I mean? He was kind of a rolling stone. So all of the children of him, they have very little information. They have almost no pictures of him because he kind of just disappeared. So there is very little information about him, except for that I know his basic details. Have you looked up stuff on him on Ancestry, like records and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I did a little bit. I don't remember what I found, but I remember, I only remember it being kind of similar to what I already knew about him, about, you know, like where he kind of was in, around the United States. Yeah. And like where he immigrated into the United States too. Like he flew in just like a regular, <laughs> like they just, yeah. they just flew, Yeah. which is, which is also an interesting immigration story. I've never had one where they flew here. I mean, usually it's like, you know, we took the boat from the old country, you know? So yeah, so that was, that was interesting, but they were very cool. That family was very cool. They're all still in the Chicagoland area. Everybody is still in the Chicagoland area, both my birth parents' families. So have you met either of his children? No, I didn't. I was already living in North Carolina when I found them. Okay. And when I go back, I don't have a ton of time. It's like I'm usually pretty booked. But, you know, if I ever go back and I have like, you know, I still, it's like, again, I don't know where to put these families either in my life. I find that difficult, too. Like, where do you, where do they go? You know what I mean? Like, how much, because I don't even talk to my own family that much, so (laughs) it feels weird to, like, put a lot of effort to, God, I know that sounds terrible, but I just don't know how much effort I haven't, I guess I haven't reconciled in my head, like, how much effort I need to put toward this. You know what I mean? Yeah, or how much you want to put towards it, like, how much you have to give, really, you know? Right, right, because, I mean, in a lot of ways, my questions are answered. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless they come at me with new stuff like photos or stories or something like that, I don't really have other questions. You know, they don't seem to be able to answer a lot of the ones that I have anyway. So, yeah, I mean, especially since both of your parents are gone and unless you have like an instant connection with one of your half siblings or you're both really willing to put the work in, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, just like everybody, I'm sure all the old photos are in somebody's closet in a box somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like, who's got time to go through that? I get it. It's a lot to do for somebody you just barely even met and who, you know, has like this tenuous connection to your family. 
Yeah, and the kids also they may have some resentment because their father didn't stick around with them, and they may not really know him that well, you know. It doesn't sound like they did. Yeah. Honestly, it doesn't sound like her sisters knew her very well either. Yeah. You know, I think for both of their reasons, you know, for whatever reasons they both had, both my birth parents were pretty distant as far as family-wise. Yeah. So are you still in touch with her sisters, your birth mother's sisters? Yeah, I am. I haven't talked to them in a while. Like I said, they're still in the Chicago area, but I do you know, drop an email here and there. They're happy to hear from me. I am the only living remainder of their sister. You know, I try to remind myself of that. that they are my aunts. They both really welcomed me with love and you know, all the things. But, you know, it's hard not to remember that there was my birth mom could have used some of that love, I think, at the time. Yeah, if she had you some know, support, it may have all been different, right? Right. I mean, again, because she had such a difficult relationship with her family, I think that Catherine's relatives and stuff that remember her and knew her, they have said to me a couple times, well, she probably wouldn't have made that great of a mother. Huh. But I think that's a pretty bold thing to say yeah. when... The only thing you knew of a person, the only thing you can remember of a person is when they've already had their kid taken away. Yeah. Like, I always tell people, like, you don't know that. You don't know that she would have made it better. You know, because lots of people have babies and their lives are screwed up and they get them together. Yeah. yeah you know, this is... Definitely. Lots of people have babies all the time. They're poor. They're... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just that she didn't have any support. There was no future where she could figure out where she could keep me. And you have to wonder if she was made to feel that way, too, because she didn't have any more children. Yeah, I, I do wonder that, too, if she internalized. I mean, I think she probably did. She probably internalized the whole thing, and she maybe at some level believed that she was a terrible person for having a baby out of wedlock, for having a married man's baby, whatever. Because yeah. back then, I mean, I'm sure that was part of the problem. How do you explain that to your neighbors? Which is obviously, like, stupid, but actually I've told people this before. I, I'm kind of glad that my adoptive parents didn't find this part of the story out because I think knowing that this baby they brought you so much joy and like completed your family was gotten at the expense of another person's life basically or the potential of their future yeah was kind of terrible that's not what they would have wanted that's not what anybody wants I don't think no I think there is an attempt now to make adoptive parents more aware of what the birth parents are feeling yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think I think it's hard for adoptive parents to have done all the work and then see the birth parent just sort of roll up at the end of the day, sort of at the end of, you know, the hard part. But I would say the birth parent had the hard part too. That was already hard. If either one of my adoptive parents would have had a problem with me looking for my birth parents, I don't think they would have ever told me. No. I think they would have tried really hard to keep that to themselves because... I think they understood on some level that you need to know this information. This is part of you and you need to know it if you you can find it, you know. So do you still have relationships with a lot of your adoptive family? You know, I was closer when I was in town. Again, I'm sure they also feel like where do I belong in their family? Like what should they be doing as far as with me? You know, it's not like my phone's ringing off from them (laughs) and that's fine. But you know what I'm saying? I'm sure they feel the same way. Like, yeah, we've got this other cousin. Right. that exists. If I were to call any of them up or, or anything, they would be glad to hear from me. But we haven't really been keeping up like a really tight relationship like that. Again, because I think none of us really know where to put it. Where does this relationship go? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not an acquaintance. I'm like a relative. 
So have you no. kept up with the two siblings you grew up with in your adoptive family? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're all very close. I mean, we're close. And <laughs> I just said I didn't really talk to them that much. But yeah, we're not super like talkative folks. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds weird or not, but we're not the kind of people where I'm calling up my brothers and like we're talking on the phone for like two hours. You know what I mean? I'll, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, how's it going? Shoot out an email. What's going on? Here's what we're doing. What are you doing? And then, like, I'm up to speed. We usually get together at Christmas or, like, holidays or whatever. But, yeah, we have streaming clothes. We always were a pretty tight family. So how do you think your life has changed now that you know more about your birth family and their families? I think learning all of this and even other people's stories and other people's adoptive journeys, I think I have a lot less good feelings about the adoption industry in general. You know what I mean? I think that, I think private adoptions and ones where you literally change the name and you change the birth certificate, I'm not, I'm not sure that I approve of that. You should have full and free access to your birth certificate, full and free access to who your birth parents are. I don't know why in this day and age, 2023, while we're acting like we can't know who your birth mom is. It's like, is there really this much stigma around this? I mean, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And even just the whole idea of adoption. For about six months, my husband, Steve, and I considered adoption. We thought about having kids, but I was too old, and so we thought, oh, maybe we'll adopt. And I looked into it, and it would have cost me $40,000 just wow. to go through the process, and that would have not guaranteed me a baby. Wow. $40,000. That's a lot of money. And it's, it is. They could break that, okay, this much goes to the birth mom and this much, but you know what? You could just give $40,000 to the birth mom. I bet she could just keep the baby. Yeah, true. It's like this transaction makes me very uncomfortable. I'm very close to buying and selling human beings. It basically is. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that is a yeah. very gray area that makes me very uncomfortable. And I just think that it's ripe for abuse, and it has been for years and years. I mean, you hear about these things like after the Haiti hurricane adoption agencies and orphanages headed down there, you know, looking for orphans. It's like a little predatory. Yeah. Or maybe sometimes a lot predatory. And I would say that's probably the number one thing that's changed in my life is that I'm really not that keen on adoption anymore. I kind of think it's sort of shady, slippery slope. Yeah, you got the chance to be able to like actually feel for your birth mother and understand the birth mothers a little better and understand that it's a traumatic event for them. <laughs> right. Right, it's not like she gave me up so that she could be free. You know what I mean? She was not like she was like going like she was like, oh, phew, now I can go back to my NASA program that I was studying. You know what I mean? Yeah. She didn't give me up to do anything. Yeah. Or to go and do anything. It was just because she couldn't keep me. Yeah. Which is not the the way it was always presented to me. Like when you're a kid and your parents are like, oh, your mom loved you so much that she. Yeah. In one respect, that is true, but in another respect, it's like, why did all, all of this have to happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you tell other people who are entering the journey to seek out their birth families? Hmm. I would tell them just to keep an open mind and try not to, to judge anyone for their decisions, because I think that's really easy to do. You know, can just be like, here, I'm going to take this limited information, especially in cases where the birth parents are dead and all you find is a grave. I'm never going to get, you know, anything from my birth parents. So it's always going to be third, secondhand information. And you just don't know what your birth parents were thinking or feeling unless you're lucky enough to find like a friend or somebody who knew them real well. You're never going to know. Just keep an open mind and just complete the journey and then you'll know everything you need to know, you know, about what happened before you were given to this other family. Yeah, that's good advice not to be judgmental. 
because again, I've talked to a lot of people, and I'm sure you have too, where a lot of times the birth parents have very troubled lives before, during, and after the adoption. And it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I feel like a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, she was a drug addict. Well, you know what I mean? Maybe she was, but, you know, have some empathy, just I guess, is what I always try to do. Just have some empathy toward people and try to put yourself in their shoes, you know? Yes. Because it's tough. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a baby and then have, it, and then have somebody else raise it for my whole life. Yeah. Sounds like the worst. So, yeah. So I think if you start your journey from that perspective and understand that these might be broken people, very likely, that you're going to find that, you know what I mean, you're going to be a lot better off. Yeah. You'll be more understanding of them. Right. Because, yeah, because they had to go through this. My adoptive parents were wonderful people. I had a wonderful life. They were ideal. But not everybody's life was like that either. Yeah, that's true. Some adoptive parents are terrible people just like you know the rest of humanity you know what i mean like they come in all the different shapes and sizes yep unfortunately so i was gonna ask how many of the people that you've talked to how many uh, have had great adoptive parents versus maybe like abusive or they were like actually abusive or just you know mentally abusive that's a good question i actually haven't I mean, I I think about it when I'm speaking to people, but I haven't really thought about it overall. I mean, I know I know my dad's parents were great and I know there's been at least one or two others that have maintained close relationships with their adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a whole lot that were abusive, although I have heard those stories. And that's where I always wonder, why would you get a child and adopt them just to abuse them? That doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know either. Or to single them out in some way and make it so that they're always the adopted kid. You know, they're always like the the redheaded stepchild, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard those stories too. All the way up to actual abuse and actual horrible things. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think... A lot of the stories I've heard, the negative they've had with their adoptive parents has been that they weren't really willing or open to them finding their birth families. And that was more, I think, out of fear or thinking that maybe they would lose them. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. so much, you know, they didn't want them to know who they were. They just, they just didn't want to lose the children that they loved. Right, right. Yeah, no, which, I, I mean, you can understand that for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you would, like you said, you would think it's such a long process. Even for my parents, I know they, they had to go through the whole thing with, you know, friends of theirs were interviewed and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was like a, a whole process, you know, even then. So, yeah. you know, to go through that whole thing only to like, I don't know, it seems counterintuitive, but people are people. Are people. I never really asked my grandparents like what happened when they adopted my dad, but he had records where nurses had come to the house and social workers to see him and do checkups for like months after he was adopted. Yeah, yeah. My parents mentioned that they'd had that too. Yeah. That they, you know, the, like the social workers and stuff. So, I mean, I, it's like they do check and stuff, but not for, I think, like a year maybe and then that's it. So Yeah. is a lengthy and ongoing process, it seemed. And I don't know how much they had to pay to get my dad from Catholic Charities, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a fee involved. So I'm sure there was if it was, yeah, yeah. Catholics. I mean, they're all. See, and again, this is like, is this okay? Like, are we all okay with the idea that people are making money off of the sale of babies? This is a profitable billion-dollar industry, too. Oh, well, I'm like, sure all the religious organizations call it a donation. 
So, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. a donation to the pastor's like multi-million dollar house. But yeah, again, I mean, you know, like, again, we go back to like the actual sale of human beings, which again, I'm very uncomfortable with this whole idea. Yeah. Because again, what you end up happening is you get rich people who can adopt poor people's children. Yeah, that's weird and that's what that strange. is the because you know it's not like poor people get the opportunity to like adopt children they don't because it's money yeah it's expensive so it's it's not really about the best parents for the kids yeah it's who can afford it's about who can afford it yeah and that also kind of sucks you know that's not ideal either yeah it, it definitely shouldn't be that way mm-hmm But I think there is a lot at play now as far as helping mothers keep their children. I think so, too. And there's a lot of adoption. There's a lot of people, like, you know, banging the drum about opening up records and stuff. A lot of states have started to do that. So that's good, too. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't all done it based on just a few doing it. Seems Mm -hmm. really bizarre. They wouldn't all just do it. I know. And, you know, and sometimes, like in the case of Easter House, all of their records, because they were closed down by the state, all of their records got confiscated and are now in the custody of the state of Illinois. And in order to get access to my records, I would have to go through this, this like intermediary service. Which costs money, right? <laughs> yeah, this costs money. And it, there's no guarantee you're going to get anything out of it because they can be like, oh, well it's all blacked out or what I mean, again, it's whatever they, you don't get to look through it. It's whatever they decide to give you. So again, what are we? Yeah. If I hadn't gone through DNA, I would have never found yeah. anybody because none of the avenues in which I had ever looked ever just, I could ever discover even a clue. I kind of wonder what would happen if tomorrow all the States were like, we're opening up all the records. I kind of wonder what would happen. You know, and maybe this is just because I, this is because of my particular bent, but I feel like a lot of times it's not, the women that are worried about it, every pregnant woman's family knew they were pregnant. You know what I mean? It's not like you're hiding that. Yeah. But it's for the men. I feel like it's for the privacy of the men. Like there are men who have been leaving their trail maybe of babies in their wake. You know what I mean? And they don't want to know. Probably the number one problem that keeps is this idea that like we open up all the records, you know, and everybody's on DNA and stuff like that. Then everyone's going to find out everyone's dirty business. Yeah. And I know we talked about it when we talked before, the kids who are burn donor babies. Yes. <laughs> like, this is all coming out of the woodwork, too. It's like, this is more identity and more people, and again, primarily men, who are going to be outed as, and there's no crime. It's not like it's a bad thing that they went to these, you know, clinics and stuff and did that. It's fine. But you knew that children were going to be possibly be the product of that. Yeah. I mean, if you go on Ancestry and you have, like, 30 half-siblings... Right, and you, yeah, your DNA, yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually read an article, a friend of mine sent me an article about that a couple of years ago about this one guy who was a regular sperm donor, and he had 15 different children from 15 different women. Yeah. I mean, they weren't his children, I'm using air quotes, children. Yeah. Because it's not really his children, because that's not really the deal, but still, DNA connected, you know, so that's yeah. got to be wild for that guy. Yeah, he had all that offspring, we'll say. <laughs> yes, offspring, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's that's another. Right, we don't even know how to even describe them because it's like they're not his children, so it's like we need like a new word for like the sperm donor baby, you know? 
Right. And can you imagine nowadays somebody going to do that? That's another layer that they have to think about because it's happening. Right. Exactly. Because really a thing that happened, you know, a lot of women, I actually know somebody who went to this, like this sperm bank. Yeah. You know, who was like, eh, I'm just going to have kids now because I can do it. So good for her. But again, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Someday the kid's still going to wonder. Right. And then they get on DNA. Right. So ancestry DNA. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. You're going to go, you're going to find your half sibling because your dad, like I'm sure the sperm donor dads aren't anxious to get on to any of the DNA tests, but their kids, if they ever got married and had kids or had kids elseways, you know, then yeah, they're going to find out. It's a tangled web we weave, right? Yeah. So if you get dad a DNA test for Christmas and he won't take it, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. That's funny. Okay, well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. You're very welcome. you or someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. On the next episode, I'll talk to Lorray, who you may know better as her social media persona, the adopted chameleon. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thanks for listening.